You have found the Lions College Football Podcast. It is week three. Welcome in, football fans. My name is Steven Andrus, joined each and every week by the Lions College Football writer, Brett Gibbons. And we have gotten past overreaction week two. We have a full slate of games to get you ready, a growing sample size to pull from. In this show, Brett will give his best bets for week number three, and we will also break down some of the biggest games on the slate. A lot of Saturday matchups, but let's begin with some weeknight college football. Once again, Louisville battling on Friday night, this time in conference in the ACC, coming off a win at UCF. Louisville hosting Florida State, the Seminoles, a two and a half point road favorite. Brett, we had Florida State go 2-0, get that crazy wild week one win against LSU, took care of business against Duquesne. Louisville comes back after a week one stinker at Syracuse and wins at UCF. So how do we break this one down? I don't know what the schedulers at Louisville were thinking to go late night Saturday in Syracuse, flip it around, short week Friday in Orlando, somehow some way they get the win there uh, and then they're turning around for another Friday game at home. So even though they have that, you know, that they didn't play on Saturday and now they're playing on Friday, they're still at a rest disadvantage because Florida state was off last week. Mm. So I'm interested to see if that makes a difference, you know, Florida state with a little bit more time to prepare for Louisville. I don't really like what I've seen from Louisville's offense, especially in the red zone. They were atrocious last week. They were 20%. They, they posted a 20% success rate in the red zone. And you know, that ended in kind of an ugly 20 to 14 slap fight that really UCF should have won. Um, but they kind of shot themselves in the foot with some penalties and John Reese Plumley was pretty ineffective. Uh, one stat that I really like to throw out here about Florida state's quarterback, Jordan Travis, is that last year he was seven yards per attempt better against zone defense than against man defense. Well, Louisville ran a lot of man defense last week and was very good at it. They held uh, UCF to a very low yards per attempt, 6.8 and also a very low success rate around 50%. So I'm interested to see if the cards lean into that man defense against, uh, Jordan Travis and, and Florida state. And I'm also interested to see how far Jordan Travis has come since last year. He looked good against LSU. I thought he, he kind of had that it factor that he hadn't had before where, you know, you need to get a first down it's third and seven and he was just able to do it. So I'm interested to see him perform. I, (laughs) I said it last week. I don't love these Friday night matchups because they're just weird. And last week held true to that. For sure, Malik Cunningham against Florida State in a 31-23 road win a year ago, 25 of 39, 264 yards and two touchdowns, no picks for the Louisville quarterback. Also added 14 carries, 56 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So it was the Malik Cunningham show last week. But to your point, this offense has not looked in sync. Major rest disadvantage here. So I certainly wouldn't fault anybody that wants to take Florida State under a field goal in this one let's look ahead to the saturday slate and we'll begin with the noon kickoff on fox oklahoma a 10 and a half point road favorite at nebraska some huskers turmoil brett so how do we handicap this one (laughs) how can you is a great question uh you know you can uh, it's 11 pretty much everywhere oklahoma's favored by 11 this has actually come down from 13 and a half which is telling me that some respectable action is is coming in on nebraska 
I kind of like to follow that. It's a team that just lost Scott Frost, who was definitively the factor holding them back. Are they now relieved of that? Can they fight? Cause they have a talented roster. They have players. Casey Thompson's a, a good quarterback who hasn't been playing well due to poor coaching. So I'm interested to see if they can kind of unlock that talent, uh, you know, play inspired for the new coach. We saw it with Texas tech last year in uh, their interim. You, you kind of see this little interim push. We saw it with, in the NFL with the Las Vegas Raiders last year. So I'm interested to see if Nebraska can kind of kick it up a gear for the new guy. Um, but I don't know if I'm really ready to lay money on that, especially now that the line's gotten all the way down to 10 and a half. Um, Oklahoma, their first half. Uh, as we re- as we record this Wednesday morning, Brett, we're starting to see some stuff go the other way here. I'm oh, seeing 11, 11 and a half on the board for Oklahoma. So, okay. um, you know, maybe a little bit of line movement early, but we're now a full point the other way towards Oklahoma. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, if you want to follow, follow that buyback because it kind of dipped to a low watermark. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but this was a close game last year and I know there are completely different players. We don't have continuity in the head coaches. We don't have continuity in the quarterbacks for either team. So you're going to kind of have to do a hard reset on this game. And if you look at Oklahoma's first half last week against Kent state, it was like seven to three at the half. It, it was just, it was bad, but they, they were able to, to, to turn it on and it finished 33 to three did not cover the spread. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not really surprised by Oklahoma's offense. It, it's good as expected. They're seventh in the country in expected points added margin on offense. Uh, but again, it's a tough sample size. They played UTEP and they played Kent State. Um, Lincoln's a tough place to go play. It's a tough stadium. It's a tough crowd to play in front of. And they are not welcome there. I was at this game last year in Norman. These two teams don't like each other. The fans don't like each other. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'm probably falling on the Nebraska side just because I want to see what these guys can do under their new interim coach that gives a little gives them a little bit of a boost they're at home they have all sorts of talent this team's probably pissed off and I want to see them play inspired so I think that this is going to be a closer game than we think for what it's worth ESPN FBI has Oklahoma 12 points better than Nebraska but again this game is in Nebraska so some some credit there for home field advantage why this line is at at 10 and a half to 11 11 and a half so uh, take that for what it's worth another noon kickoff on saturday the syracuse orange my syracuse orange the two and oh syracuse orange hosting the (laughs) purdue boilermakers at noon on espn2 brett there's not many years where i get to say syracuse is two and oh so i want to enjoy it while it lasts the the syracuse football team is undefeated so uh we got to pick them here which means on a neutral field they're telling us that purdue is the better team do you agree with that I don't know. I don't think so. I think mm. Syracuse is looking like a pretty good team and they're hey physical. I know it's, it's tough. And my, my biggest question surrounding this game is does playing at Ross aid stadium, which is a very weird, you know, where good teams go to die place. Does that help Purdue play it? Whatever the carrier domes call now VMA wireless dome, it's whatever it's the carrier dome. Like, yeah. Do, do, does this help that. Purdue? Because it's a weird place to play. Good teams go there and lose games. We've seen it against Clemson lately that, you know, they just can't figure them out. And Syracuse is, is just this physical run the ball downhill at you, play tough physical defense team. And Purdue's already lost to a team that's like that. Penn State went into West Lafayette and beat them with this very similar style of offense. Purdue, 
struggled mightily against man coverage. We're going to be talking about man coverage a lot on this podcast. They only posted a 33.3% success rate against Penn state and Syracuse also held Louisville to like nothing when they were playing in man. Now they play a little bit more even defense between man and zone, but I'm interested to see if Syracuse kind of leans into that man coverage against Purdue. Um, Brock Thompson is their top receiver in Purdue, but uh, he's been banged up a little bit this year. So I think that they match up pretty well. Now, Line shopping is critical here because as of uh, when I was doing these notes this morning, both teams are favored. <laughs> you can find them yeah, favored. Depending on where you go, right? Right. So we'll settle on it as a, as a pick them. Um, if it's a pick them and, and you have a tough physical team at home, I'm taking the tough physical team at home. So I'm taking Syracuse. You can find them at, I believe one and a half, uh, somewhere and you know, by the time this comes out, that's going to be, that's going to be changed, but you should be able to find Syracuse as an iron dog somewhere. If you do, I would take the points there for sure. Highest graded running backs by PFF through week three, Sean Tucker of Syracuse is number two on that list. Syracuse also has a cornerback in Trill Williams. Uh, I'm sorry, that, that's an old tweet. Never mind that. <laughs> so this is a team that has looked really good. Garrett Schrader is the highest graded power five player through the first two weeks by PFF, the Syracuse quarterback. So they've looked good uh, and they have the home field advantage in this one. So it's, it's not surprising to me that they've taken a little bit of money at books, but it's clear there is no consensus on this line mostly meaningless numbers here you're you're picking who you want to win but regardless always go and find the best number if you want to bet Syracuse go to FanDuel get them plus one and a half if you want to bet Purdue go to DraftKings get them plus one so that's that's our advice there the over under sitting at 58 and a half in this one so hopefully we get some good scoring here some entertainment and uh and hopefully I can come back next week and tell you about the three and oh Syracuse orange (laughs) (laughs) moving on to the afternoon slate on Saturday Penn State, three-point road favorite in the SEC at Auburn. This one on CBS. Not often you see a Big Ten team as a road favorite in the SEC, Mr. Gibbons. No, it, but Auburn's not a very good football team. They, they've had just a disaster at quarterback. This year, the depth chart that they put, or this week, rather, the depth chart that they put out has the incumbent starter, TJ Finley, and this upcoming uh, transfer, Robbie Ashford, as as an or at QB1. Mm. They don't know who they're rolling out there. It'll probably be TJ Finley to start because he's just more experienced in the big games. I'm not going to say he's ever performed in the big games because against Alabama, they scored, I think, 20 or something, 14 or 20 points that he's not. He's just not good. He's bad. He's flat out bad. And Penn State's defense is pretty good. They're DBs are, are really good. As I mentioned before, they held Purdue to just a 33.3% success rate. So, uh, you know, I, I think that they can match up against an Auburn wide receiving core. That's not particularly inspiring. I'm, I'm not, there's no names that jump off the page, but a name that jumps off the page to me for Penn state is Nicholas Singleton. They're running back. Mm. Everybody knows him by now. He he's, he's going to be a household name. We've talked about him before. He's Saquon Barkley esque. Uh, you know, it was against Ohio, which take it for what you will. But Nick Singleton had 14.9 yards per touch. He had 12 carries, 179 yards, a pair of touchdowns. And as a team, uh, Penn State had, I think, seven and a half yards per touch. So he's doubling up what this team's production is. I also like the quarterback, Drew Lahr. Um, He's not going to start, but 
we've seen Sean Clifford go down and be taken out of games like way too often. So to know that they have this really high kind of safety net below them, that's encouraging. Uh, <laughs> I think Drew Lahr looks a lot better. But to send him into Jordan-Hare Stadium as the starter w- would kind of be, it, it'd be daunting. It'd be an issue for him. Um, but Penn State's rightfully, rightfully favored. If you want to lean Auburn at home, I get it. Uh, we just saw Texas hold their own against, you know, a way better Alabama team because of the home environment, because of home crowd. Um, and Jordan Hare is going to be raucous. I mean, if we if you remember this game last year in in state college, it was an unreal atmosphere. So I'm OK taking Auburn, um, but I have no confidence in their offense. So if you were going to bet the Auburn side, I'd probably also bet under the point total, which I think sits around 46, 47 points. Um, and if you're going to take Penn State, you know, maybe looking at under Auburn's team total, which if you do the implied, probably about 15 and a half, 16. Um, I, that, that's a strategy that I would go at it. I'm personally not betting this game. This just seems like such a toss up. And there's, there's so many things on both sides where I don't trust either offense to, yeah, I, I'm probably just going to sit this one out and watch it and enjoy it. A little bit of disagreement if you go line shopping on this one. Not much. Most books have it as at a just a standard minus one ten uh, for Penn State to cover the minus three. But FanDuel, as we record Wednesday morning, does have minus three and a half at plus one hundred. DraftKings does have a little less juice on the minus three at minus one Oh five. Um, I think I would probably shop for the best price on a minus three and take Penn state here. This is an Auburn team that just last week was trailing at the half to San Jose state was only up by four in the fourth quarter against San Jose state. Penn state already went into a very tough Purdue environment, came out with the win. So they already have some road experience early in the season here. And I like everything you said about, about Penn state, just from a schematic and talent standpoint here. Um, as long as I can get the three at minus minus one ten or better, I'm okay with taking Penn state in this one. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't, as enticing as it is, you see the plus 100 and you're like, oh, I thought the even money. Oh, that's great. I, I, I wouldn't. I, yeah, I would definitely take the three. If anything, you're getting a, a nice 17 cent boost on the, uh, on the push rate at three. Uh, and that's a nice safety net to have, yeah. you know, if they win by field goal pushes, th- that's not a losing bet. So I, I'm okay with that. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Stephen Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. BYU at Oregon, another afternoon matchup, 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on Fox. Oregon, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite at Autzen Stadium where it never rains, and the Storm and Mormons of BYU coming into town, the Cougars. Uh, how do you see this one with a total around 57 and a half, 58? 
Yeah, I like that it's three and a hook because if you're going to bet BYU, that gives you a whole lot of confidence to bet that number. That That's a good number to bet them at if you're on that side. Um, BYU's fielding the best defense that they've had in years, but they're still not defending the run very well. They're 111th in the country in, the country in, in a rush EPA defense. But is Oregon good? Right. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm i not really taking their 49-3 decimation at the hands of, of Georgia very not seriously, but I, I don't think that's the true Oregon team. It's a weird game to play. Uh, Georgia's the best team in the country right now. I don't think there's any dispute to that. Uh, and then they come home and, and beat up on Eastern Washington. They drop 70 yeah, on them. Yeah, it doesn't so, tell us anything either. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm in the same place as I was in the preseason with Oregon. I'm just like, okay, kind of have to see. Uh I kind of feel like BYU money line is going to be the public play just because people are seeing them play well. Uh, they might really take into account that first game with Oregon and kind of fade them. Uh, and you can find a plus 155 at DraftKings, which does line up uh, with the with the spread of three and a half points. Um, but it gets worse than that. I still kind of feel like that's going to be the public play. So I'm probably not going to give that much consideration. I, I do want that three and a half point safety net just because Autzen is is a very, very difficult place to go play. Um, and Oregon's going to take BYU very seriously. Uh, this is a good team. So uh, I'm probably just going to watch this for the entertainment factor. But it is nice to get that hook on the on the three uh, because that's a really big difference in, in terms of push rate and points and sense that you're buying. So if you're going BYU, yeah, go ahead and bet the three and a half. And that's a line that has not moved uh, so far. Again, take it with a grain of salt, but at least some more information for you guys. ESPN's FPI has BYU less than two points better than Oregon. So you have to give Oregon a lot of home field advantage here to get to three and a half as the favorite for the Ducks for what that's worth. So I think that goes to Gibbons point about plus three and a half looking pretty enticing here if if you want to back BYU. A friendly yeah, reminder I, and, and I Yeah, go ahead, Brett. Sorry, I, I just want to talk about Oregon's power rating really quick. Sure. It's crashed. This team was like a top 15, top 12 uh, in the SP plus and the FPI and the FEI uh, at the beginning of the year. And now they're down like in the mid 40s. Mm-hmm. So just keep in mind that is a drastic, drastic movement in power rating. I would call it an overreaction. Interesting. If, if we're being if we're being honest here, their defense is just loaded with all American linebackers and five star talent. Um, and Bo Nix, you know, as much as he's not the world beater people wanted Bo Nix to be, like he's still a veteran quarterback with a lot of tools. So I think that the power rating on Oregon is a bit overreactive to their week one beatdown. But is minus three and a half too much? Like that's the hard question right here because you're right. I sure, that definitely yeah. sounds like an overreaction on the power rating, but to cover three and the hook is that that's a that's a big ask, right? I agree. Yeah, that that, that wasn't meant to be uh an like argument a stay in away. favor of it. It sounds Oregon. like a stay away. That's how I'm treating it. Yeah. To see get get some more information out of these two teams, and we kind of figure it out in future weeks here. But should be a should be a fun one here. A couple of uh, Mountain and Pacific Northwest teams. A friendly reminder here for everybody that every week, if you go to play.thelines.com, we have a college football pick'em contest. Your chance to play for free and win prizes like Amazon gift cards. 
all the details down in the description below. There's also still time to join our free $10,000 prize pool for the NFL Pick'em Contest. It's called Beat the Lines. Again, that info down in the description. $3,000 to the winner. If you missed week one, there's still time to get in there and, uh, and play with us and try and beat our staff against the spread on NFL picks. And while you're at it, Hit that subscribe button, hit that bell, get the notifications every time a new video comes out here on the Lions YouTube channel. If you're listening to us on a podcast feed, rate, review, subscribe. It really helps us out, lets you know when a new episode is coming each and every week as we cover both college football and the NFL from various different angles each and every week throughout the fall season. All right, Brett, moving on here on the Saturday slate for college football. We're into prime time now, 7.30 p.m. kickoff on FS1 between SMU and Maryland. This one in Maryland, the Terps, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. How do you see this one? Definitely not the biggest game in terms of headlining uh, names and, and, and marquee names. There's no Alabama at Texas, but this might be the most exciting game oh of the week. Oh my God, yeah, I uh, just saw are, the total, 73, 74 yes. and a half. And that's up from 68 and a half where Ooh, it opened. So there's go. a lot of money behind this. I'm taking the under <laughs> <laughs> because it jumped up so high. Do you not like fun, Brett? Points. Do you not like fun? I, <laughs> I love fun, but 74 and a half is just outrageous. I mean, you're asking for both teams to score on pretty much every possession and a high rate of play, which... So far, these teams have not had the highest tempo offenses. Maryland is uh, 111th in the country and plays run. I know it's only through two games, but still, they've only run 62 plays a game. And SMU's at uh, 67 plays a game, which is 83rd. So they're not running these blistering tempo offenses, kind of like we've seen from them in the past. But two very, very capable passing offenses, Tanner Mordecai, uh, Tuali, I believe is the pronunciation, Tagovailoa, you know, brother Tua. Um, and Maryland's receiving course just flat out nasty. The Florida transfer, Jacob Copeland, has just been playing out of his mind. So this is going to be a fun game, but asking them to hit at one point, 75 points now, 74 points to hit the over 44, 30, 40, 34. That's a lot of points. Um, You know, on the season, this is kind of a, flawed metric by I want to throw it out there anyway uh almost 55 percent of games have gone under their point total just on just on the whole week or on on the whole slate so keep that in mind that right now maybe the odds makers are kind of seeing offenses a little bit more valuable or maybe just kind of underestimating defenses which Maryland's defense has been playing pretty well um they have a pretty bad sample size they played Buffalo who just lost to FCS Holy Cross um and they played Charlotte without their starting quarterback. So keep that in mind. But their defense is playing sound when they need to. Uh, so I think it's enough to, you know, get a stop or two. And really, if, if you're betting on under 73 and a half, you're looking for two stops. And that under is going to look pretty good. So that's the way I'm taking. I don't really know what to do with this point spread. Uh, I just I really like the total. More primetime college football action on Saturday night. Michigan State at Washington. Washington, a three and a half point home favorite. This one, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. Uh, guess they uh, guess they were last in line on the draft order for picking primetime games. Not, of all the games we talked about, not the not the greatest game here on ABC. But uh, hey, we'll, we'll talk about it. Maybe bet on it too, right, Brett? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it... it 
so I'm still burned from last week. I took a grandstand on Virginia because they were four point underdogs at Illinois. And I did not understand why I am not going against that again. I don't understand why Michigan stays a three and a half point underdog. Mm. They're favored in all of the power ratings, even with home field advantage by like six points, almost seven points. Yeah, I'm seeing it too on FBI, six points better than Washington. So, I mean, Washington doesn't have that kind of home field advantage. I've been there. It's, it's okay. It's, it's a fun place to see a game, but I wouldn't call it. They have an open end stadium that looks at the beautiful lake. Like it's not that loud of a place to play. Yeah. And the most concerning part though, is despite that Washington has climbed from minus one and a half minus two at opening. And that goes through the key figure of three, which that's some serious movement. The fact that it went through three means that there are people that know something that I don't that know better than I do that are really on this Washington side. That means they looked at a Washington minus three and still decided to bet it. That is concerning to me. Um, Michael Penix, he's no stranger in Michigan state. He played at Indiana. Um, he also played under Washington's current head coach, Kalen DeBoer in 2019 on his uh, breakout season. Uh, he's one and one in his career against Michigan state. He has 80 pass attempts, 606 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, that's pretty significant. Um, Michigan state's pass defense is probably still bad. They haven't played anybody, uh, that would threaten that. So I'm not hundred percent sure how, good or not good it is but last year was terrible and they bring all four of those guys back this year and washington's offense actually has been one of the best in the country that we're just kind of not really talking about all that much um so i think washington has the ability to take advantage of this michigan state passing defense and that's probably where this line movement's coming from um i do like this matchup just from kind of an aesthetic standpoint they last met in 19 19- 97 in the Hawaii bowl where uh, Nick Saban was the coach at Michigan state. So they don't play very often. This will be kind of fun to watch. Um, and I'm so glad that it's not kicking off at like nine 30 for sure. But one uh, injury of note, Jaden Reed, the receiver for Michigan state looks to be questionable for this one. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, decent amount of injuries on, on Michigan state uh, that could be moving this line in the direction that we're, we're seeing here towards Washington. Uh, so something to keep an eye on there. If you, the movement's been towards Washington. So if you're scratching your head on that, like you, that, like Brett and I are, then it doesn't hurt to just wait and wait and wait till kickoff to see if you can get the best of the number here for sure. Or just stay completely off it. That too. Always an option. Sometimes the best advice we give is not to bet a game. And that might be the case in this one for, for sure. The U at Texas A&M, Texas A&M licking their wounds after some of the best Twitter college football videos I've ever seen in Boone, North Carolina with Appalachian State pulling another monster upset in college football. But this one, Texas A&M, a five and a half point home favorite, prime time, 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on ESPN against the Miami Hurricanes. All right, Brett, bounce back spot for A&M because we've talked in the preseason about all the talent on this roster, a little bit young, but still certainly talented. Yeah, this is nothing new to Texas A&M fans, and it's probably frustrating to pull your hair out. I mean, you have some of the most talent in the country, and and yet they're still 
under delivering. Now, are they a team that's a year away? Sure. We've said that a few times. <laughs> Maybe they really are this time. Uh, you can find this number at AM minus five, but it's uh, severely juiced at, at DraftKings. So I probably wouldn't lean into that. It's not worth that extra hook. Um, Texas AM didn't run a single red zone play against Appalachian State. Holy cow. Zero. Really? Zero plays in the red zone. Man, that's bad. That's that is, extremely concerning. Now, Appalachian State's defense is suspect. That, like we we saw them get sixty three hung on them against against North Carolina. Yeah, I mean that type of improvement from one week to the next. Like, come on. I mean that's that's an A and M problem. Exactly. Yeah, and App State's defense is certainly in between. They're not as good as they were Saturday, and they're not as bad as they were Week One. They're somewhere in between. But yeah, you don't reach the the red zone. Are you kidding? That's so bad. Um, they're also not a non power five conference juggernaut. Like we saw with Cincinnati last year, right? That's, that's not the caliber team they are. Yeah. Maybe not quite that caliber. Uh, but they're, they're pretty darn good. Um, Texas A&M's defense, though, that, that's, that's nothing to play around with. It's still as good as advertised. They held Appalachian state to 3.7% explosive play rate. Um, again, an Appalachian state defense that hung 40 points in a single quarter. So they, they, they did well, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of bottled up this good offense. So, um, but they only produced 4.9 yards per play themselves. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I I'm glad to see that there's not this huge overreaction to Texas A&M losing because ugh, people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but you play that matchup 10 more times. And I don't think Appalachian state wins any of them. I, their post-game win expectancy I saw from Bill Conley was only like 27%. So they controlled the game. They played very, very well, very inspired. But Texas A&M certainly isn't the team where we're like, oh, wow, they lost to Appalachian State. They're done for. I, I don't think that's the case. And you see it here that they're favored by five and a half against Miami. Um, Miami hasn't really played anybody, so it's kind of tough to, to judge where they're at. Uh, they're running the football very well. Um, I know they wanted to run Tyler Van Dyne, uh, Tyler Van Dyke, pardon me, more than last year. I'm not really sure why he's, he's got an explosive arm and they have some good athletes outside. Um, you know, if Texas A&M can, can their defense can keep them bottled up like they have been, then this is going to be a low scoring game. So if you're going to look at anything, I would look at the point total on here, maybe take it under. I don't think that it's going to be bet up because people are going to be saying the same thing. A&M's defense is good. Their offense is not good. So, It'll be interesting to see how that goes, but I'm I'm just worried about Miami walking into Kyle Field. I, I would not bet Miami. Not not at all. I think I'm gonna bet Miami, man. I think I'm gonna do it. Really? I, in I mean, Ky- in Kyle Field. Yeah, I mean, you know, I did this last week in a similar situation in a rivalry game between Iowa State and Iowa. And all the numbers were telling us that three and a half was too many points for Iowa State to be an underdog in a low total game. And even though that line touched four for a little bit, I still felt good about it. And sure enough, the Iowa offense looked like crap. There are indications here that the AM offense has some serious issues to work out. FPI, just like the Iowa State game last week, has, I believe, Miami five points better than AM on a neutral field. And we have a low total in this game of 45, 45 and a half. Like if this game is in the sixties or seventies, then yeah, yeah, more variance, 
much easier to cover a, a touchdown spread in that game. I'm I'm going to go bet Miami at five and a half. I'm going to find that as we record this Wednesday morning. We've already seen a couple of books move this towards five. Uh, bet Rivers, Unibet, DraftKings, which tells me that there is some action coming in on Miami here. I feel pretty good about that one. Um, are you seeing the same thing on on SP Plus with with the difference between these two? Again, a two game sample size. Miami really hasn't played anybody, but at least for what it's worth, it seems clear that the metrics are telling us Miami's the better team. Yeah, the SP Plus is is actually favoring Miami in this game, and I get why. I'm probably taking too much stock in the Kyle Field effect, but yeah, we we saw Alabama walk in there last year and lose. Yeah, it's just but, it's an impossible place to play. Yeah, and and we're we're dealing with narrative street now. Like, is is A and M going to be up for this game as much as they would be an Alabama game too? Like, you know, they're. We'll I see. would hope so. <laughs> I, I hope like, so. Does Miami but, still yeah. carry that cachet? I don't know. I mean, it is a prime time game, so that helps. Guys are going to get up for it. Fans have extra time to get lubed up, in the words of Tom Brady. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on the dog in this one. And we'll see how it goes. I like it. I'm definitely not on the Texas A&M side. I'm just hesitant to bet on Miami in this case. All right, Pac-12 after dark, non-conference matchup, but let's talk a little bit about USC in this offense because in the preseason, Brett, we were not sure if all these parts, this college football free agency, quasi-free agency would come together, but they've looked incredible offensively the first couple of weeks here. Fresno State goes to USC. The Trojans are a 12.5-point home favorite, 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff on Fox they they seem to figure it out. They're figuring it out in a big way. Yeah, keyword offensively. Defensively, they're just as bad as we expected. I mean, they couldn't even stop Stanford's offense, which is fine, but not great. So I've seen the over-under here as high as 74. Oh, wow. That's another that's another one I'm betting under. I know that these guys are high flying offenses, and it's no fun to bet unders. It's just not. It's actually among the worst when you're sweating it out and you see it's oh man it's a close game they're still throwing the ball come on stop that you know it's tough i am betting under this i just don't think that fresno state's going to be able to keep up in in scoring they're a good team and usc's defense is pretty bad but i don't know again you're, you're getting into the point where there cannot be turnovers there cannot be fourth down uh conversions that they don't make there can't even be field goals i you know it's it's really just kind of you're expecting this to be 74 yard touchdown 80 yard touchdown and usc can carry that but i don't know that fresno state really can um you know they're they're a great offense but their big play potential i think is is still kind of capped so i've seen the spread as high as 13 and a half um at bet rivers i probably take usc in the points i know that's tough i don't love as long as it stays below two touchdowns i don't love laying the almost two touchdowns but We've seen so far that like with a total this high, right? I mean, if if you're going to do it, do it with a total this high. Yeah, definitely. And the power rating systems are still behind on USC. They're still ranking them in the 30s. They're still ranking them, uh, you know, in the 20s and 30s, pretty low. So I would jump on the opportunity to kind of ride this USC train and still get them in these small numbers. Because I think if they played this game in November, you're seeing USC as a 20 point favor, closer to 20 points. As good as Fresno State may be. I just think that the market's behind on USC. We've seen them open at a certain number, 
each of the first two weeks. That number has moved in favor of USC. And even though there was, you know, narratives out there about like, well, the sharp money's on Stanford last week. Yeah, Stanford got killed. Uh, there was a backdoor cover at the at the closing mark at the very end. It was a uh, forty two twenty eight, I think. Um, but if you bet USC early when they were a nine nine and a half point favorite, you cash that. So I would take advantage of the market being behind on USC right now. I think Fresno State's just overmatched in this game, especially on defense. You know, USC's offense is is there a team in the country that's evenly matched with them? There's, mm. I mean, they, they have two of the, some of the best receivers in the entire country. So I'm not really taking into account home field advantage on this. I don't think LA Memorial Coliseum is a very daunting place to play. I, I, I don't think Los Angeles is a very strong college town. I mean, there's 600 million things to do besides that. So I'm probably, I'm, I'm probably still leaning USC though. They're just a more explosive offense. Like you said, high point total, Good luck keeping up Fresno State. Um, but I, I really do like under the point total in this game. Let me ask you this. The the Trojans implied team total in this game is 44. So if you get a team total at 44, over that or just cover the 12 and a half? Just cover the 12 and a half. 44 is a lot. I mean, that's so high. That's so much. <laughs> that's why I like these. <laughs> that, on, that, that's why I like these sky high unders. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. And to your point, I mean, if you believe the projection systems are still behind on USC, FPI has USC 15 points better on a neutral field than Fresno State, and the line's sitting at 12, 12 and a half. So by by that logic, anything less than two touchdowns is value here for USC. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's gonna stay under two touchdowns. I, I think by the time this line closes, it's gonna be closer to that 15 because people are going to jump on USC. You, uh, people have been jumping on USC all season long and they've been very successful. So that'll do it for our week three college football podcast at the lines. Thank you so much for watching again, hit that subscribe button. Let us know in the comments. If you're watching on YouTube, who you are betting on in week number three, hit that like button as well. We appreciate it. Rate and subscribe and review. If you're watching on the podcast feed, Uh, We really appreciate that as well. And best of luck, everybody. For Brett Gibbons, I'm Steven Andres. Best of luck in week number three, college football.